0: The button
1: has been pushed. Commencing podcast now.
0: It's the magic of technology. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else we feel like talking about. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer.
1: And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Can't even say my name.
0: (laughs) See, you're just so excited to be recording again, and uh, here we are, and it's thundering outside, and it's very dramatic. Well, we got a lot of pop culture to talk about, uh, hence the pop in in the tech jam, and then also some tech. And you have a digital audio interface that you're uh, you're gonna pit against another digital audio interface.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily a head to head. It's just two of them that I have. I get a lot of questions about making podcasts at home, and what microphone should I get? What software should I get? And so I figured I'd throw people a bone. And talk to them about audio interfaces, because you know I'm not a huge fan of USB microphones. There are some decent ones out there, but I'm not a huge fan of USB microphones.
0: So we have a lot to to talk about on this episode. But before we get into the news... Before we get into the news... I gotta talk TV for a second. Is it TV? TV. I gotta talk streaming. I gotta talk streaming. Streaming, yeah. Can we talk about Obi-Wan? Because I've been watching that. But you're waiting on Obi-Wan, right? I'm waiting on it, yeah. I want to binge all... I think I want to binge all six. And if you think about it, it's really probably just the equivalent of like one Lord of the Rings movie by the time you stitch all those episodes <laughs> together. The director's cuts, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been watching it and have been loving it, but we will we won't spoil anything. Um, but if one is a fan of Ian McGregor, there's a lot of him. It's in. good. I yeah, just, I'm, just i Just tell I'm me yes or no. it. yeah. It's good. Yeah, okay. and well, good, compared good, good. to like Boba Fett, yeah, th- this one to me is is way better. Maybe I'm a little biased because I like the Scottish fellow, but I've, I'm finding the story very compelling, and there's a lot of. The familiar beats. And yeah, a lot of the Disney shows are straight up fan service here and there. And you get used to that. But sometimes sometimes that's fun. And the Easter egg shows are just going nuts. The 73 Easter eggs in the first episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. A lot of that out there. It's very exciting because, you know, Obi-Wan was one of the original Star Wars characters. And those of us who saw the original movies are always going to have that soft spot in our hearts. But I also love the fact that they're
1: incorporating the animated universe since it is canon. I love it. That's fantastic. So, yeah, more of that, please, because it's not all about us oldsters. You got to keep the new fans, the new kids on the block, as they say.
0: The one unsavory side of this, as you can imagine, is because the third sister, the character in there, played by a, a black woman, Moses Ingram, she has been getting a lot of hate from the racists out there, but she's been dealing with it. And then Anson Mount, who is playing Christopher Pike over on Strange New Worlds, he actually reached across the Star Trek Star Wars divide on Instagram really? and said yeah, and said that hate has no place in our universe and we on Star Trek stand behind Moses Ingram and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so it was this really touching moment where these two competing franchises, he was like, no, don't do that. You got to respect people. And, and and he's such a great character on the, the Star Trek show. I don't know if you've started watching that one yet either.
1: No, I haven't started watching that either. But I'm, I'm definitely, I've got permission to watch it on my own because my wife wanted to watch it. And she doesn't have time. Or to be blunt, she's really only interested in Picard to be honest, because she likes the character. That was
0: her sliver of the Star Trek universe.
1: Yes. She's not going to go to any conventions or anything like that. I only get a little bit of Star Trek and Star Wars love from my wife, and that's fine with me. The kids love it, the whole nine yards. But I have to say, just my little, I'm going to put my little soapbox out. If you're hating on any characters on any of this show, or the actors of a character on a show, you're pathetic. Period. You're just, if you're listening to the show and you're one of these people, stop listening to the show right now. Just go away. The whole point of these shows is to be inclusive. The whole point of most sci-fi that we love is inclusivity. You know what? Stop being a dipstick and just leave people alone. What does this poor actress have to do with the decisions on casting, nothing. Just, it's pathetic, man. It is so pathetic. I'm almost embarrassed
0: to be lumped into groups like that. You know what I mean? And she's really good. Like, Moses Ingram is doing a wonderful job in this part. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, and leave it alone. And it's not the first time this has happened. Doing it every time that's not a cis white guy in the role. Ain't got no time for that. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. Go away just go away. Nobody cares. Nobody wants you.
1: Nobody really believes in your crap. And the folks that do, they should go away too. (laughs) Okay. I'm just like telling everyone to go away. Just go away. Leave me alone. Get off my lawn. But let me talk about another TV show, another streaming show. I don't like calling them TV shows. It's a streaming show. We're going to have to come up with a different term. Video product. Oh, that sounds disgusting. We'll come up with something better.
0: Your story. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah, figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're Russian Doll. Have you seen Russian Doll? Both seasons, yes. Let me tell you, the first season of Russian Doll was amazing. Just absolutely blow your mind. Amazing. Do yourself a favor, folks. Watch it. It is hilarious. It is freaky. It is mind-bending. The acting is fantastic. It's a real
0: New York story a love letter to the East Village. Yes, it really is. East Village in the 1990s. It was just wonderful. Yes, indeed.
1: Yes, indeed. The music soundtrack is fantastic. I I actually even texted you one night saying, oh my God, this reminds me of my younger days. A lot of the stuff that's happening on that show is like, yeah, I did that. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in parties like that. So it was a total joy. Now, the second season, you know, if you miss it, you're not missing anything. I hate to say it, but it should have been a one and done.
0: The first season was such a joy. And to your point, I was worried, how do you go from there? And it's the same thing with, like, Mayor of Easttown. Like, the first season was so beautifully encapsulated. It was a story. And it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. You got resolution. And are you going to drag this out? And is there another adventure that's just as worthy? And it makes me nervous that people feel like they have to keep doing more when maybe just this one little part was enough. So the second season, it was much more wide-ranging in its scope. It was more wide-ranging, but it also,
1: it was like I didn't feel anything. I didn't have a connection to the story. Whereas in the first season, yeah, I had a connection to the story and the characters. Plus, I love the, the actress, the lead actress. What's her name again? Natasha Leone? Oh, Natasha Leone, Yeah. Fantastic. But in the second season, she was relying on shtick a little too much. Like, even she joked that she sounded like Andrew Dice Clay and somebody else. And yeah, she really laid on that Rodney Dangerfield delivery. Like, hey, you know what? Hey, what's
0: good? The hey. yeah. She was doing so much on the show, the writing, directing, and I think she was a producer on it, too. So, oh, was this just fatigue? And maybe if you do get stretched too thin, that's going to show in your performance? I
1: don't know. I guess so, but I'm serious. The first season, she was spot on. This season, it was just too sticky for me. But that said, you know what? Other people might love it. It's still a freaky ride. I watched all the episodes, so I must have
0: liked something about it. So anyway. And it's, it's nice to see New York on screen and, and people not wearing masks all the time. It is. I love that universe on streaming shows where
1: nobody wears a mask. They don't even talk about it. Like, they don't even mention it. It's like the show was filmed during the pandemic, but I get the feeling we're going to be living with masks forever. At least that's the way I see it they're going to have to start working it into the whole stream of things because it ain't going away. And just one quick note about DC TV shows, Titans and Doom Patrol. Big time watch. Big time thumbs up from me. You got to watch those shows. They're on HBO Max. They're bloody. They're gory. At least Titans is. It's the only DC universe video visual thing. I don't know what you want to call it. That's a movie or a TV show. That treats Batman like the psychopath he really is. They don't actually show Batman. They only have Bruce Wayne as a character. He's a psycho. He's a freaking psycho, people. And all the other shows and movies, even
0: the last what he was some dopey, depressed young kid. The dude's a psycho. Mm -hmm. So you you feel that this one really captures Batman's genocide. Oh, please. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Not to give anything away, and I'm not going to. Believe me, they capture it. You really understand how awful a human being Bruce Wayne, or rather Batman is. And the idea that he would not have completely psychologically scarred the young people that he recruited to to be weapons. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's going to do damage. And I love that about the show titans i've been watching it i granted folks i'm way behind on my tv watching so i'm now just catching up i realized that the show was like last year the last season but it was good i really enjoyed it and doom patrol is just a trip doom patrol is just out of control so much fun
0: really really captures the comic book spirit of the actual series did you ever read the doom patrol comic just ons and ends i was never a serious arc reader i just pick up an issue here and there I loved it. I loved it. The brotherhood. Well, on the show, they call it the
1: sisterhood of Dada and, you know, the the goofy characters and the fact that they are all sad sacks. They're the worst superheroes in the world, but it's not the whole shtick. It's just a lot of fun. And the TV show captures that.
0: All right. So it sounds like you're getting caught up, if anything. I'm very much getting caught up, but I understand
1: that there was some tech news.
0: Little bits of tech news here and there. It's not a super, super busy time of year, but here we are in the month of June already. And as of this recording, I believe as we discussed on our last episode, billionaire Elon Musk had to put in a bid to buy Twitter. A couple of weeks later, still not finalized yet, for one, the SpaceX and Tesla founder seems to be slowing his role and floating a renegotiation if Twitter can't prove that 5% or fewer of its users are bot accounts. Now, at one point, because he's been waffling a little bit, but all of the online commentaries going on, and Musk agreed with the comment suggesting that if 25% of users on Twitter were bots, then his deal to buy the bird-themed microblogging service should cost 25% less. fair, fair. It would save him a cool $11 billion or so from the price that he originally settled upon in the initial agreement, which he signed, which I believe Twitter is very much into wanting him to stick to. Now, some industry watchers, and probably us too, see this as Musk potentially trying to wiggle out of the deal But he's also got a few other issues to handle here, too, uh, including a proposed class action lawsuit from Twitter's shareholders who claim that Musk violated various California corporate laws on uh, several fronts, including delayed required disclosures and also hiding his plans to join Twitter's board, all of which can be uh, considered as sort of what they call it illegal market manipulation. The lawsuit also alleges that Musk broke the laws there by creating doubt about whether he would complete the deal after signing the contract to buy it. And his concerns about bots were a tactic to get a lower price or just kill the deal altogether. So the Twitter shareholders are not really having this. Now, in addition to them, uh, he's also got the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission uh, taking a look at the proposed Twitter deal and uh, his behavior around it. Because Twitter is a publicly traded company, the SEC needs to vet and approve must-offer to buy Twitter before the acquisition can be finalized. The SEC can't torpedo the deal Based on his corporate vision for the platform, he said everyone has to be in the office all the time or I want to do this or I'm going to have no restrictions on speech. They can't nuke the deal for that, but they can raise objections and delay the transaction if they think he wasn't being truthful on required disclosure forms. And the SEC is likely to have some of those same concerns as the shareholders filing the aforementioned lawsuit. Now, as some of our longtime listeners may recall, the SEC and Musk tangled in 2018 over allegations that he had fraudulently tweeted about securing funds to take his Tesla car company private. And uh, for that, uh, the SEC made him pay $20 million. And he had to step down from the Tesla board and obtain pre clearance from his lawyers to post things that could affect the company in the settlement. And so he. Did not like that. So I think he's headed in for the SEC. So we'll see where all of this goes. Uh, He also made headlines this week by announcing that he wants all the workers in his company, SpaceX and Tesla, back in the office 40 hours a week. So none of that remote work for them there. And he said anyone who still wants to work from home should go work for another company. So he's getting a lot of uh, press there. His exact tweet
1: was he wants them to work a minimum of 40 hours a week in the office. Let me just say, as I posted on Twitter,
0: on the Twitter unions are good. Unions are a good thing. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, they keep things regular. Wasn't that a T-shirt back in the Apple days and Steve Jobs at like ninety hours a week and loving it back in yeah. in the heyday of tech? Yeah, no, nobody wants to go back to that. Now, uh, as for Twitter itself, either with Musk or without Musk. The Federal Trade Commission recently slapped the company with a $150 million civil penalty. Now, this is because from May 2013 to September 2019, Twitter asked its users for personal information like phone numbers and email accounts for security reasons, two-factor authentication. They really want to make sure your account's secure. Nobody can get in there. But then what they did is they double-dipped into that handy bucket of information to make money uh, from the data by selling targeted ads. So the FTC was like, yeah, FTC was like, nope. So in addition to that $150 million fine, the FTC has put restrictions on the company. Now, too. they have decreed that one, Twitter is prohibited from using the phone numbers and email addresses it illegally collected to serve ads. Two, Twitter must notify users about its improper use of phone numbers and email addresses uh, and let their customers know about the FTC's law enforcement action here and explain how they can turn off personalized ads and review their multi-factor authentication settings. Number three, Twitter must provide multifactor authentication options that don't require people to provide a phone number. And finally, Twitter must implement an enhanced privacy program and a beefed-up information security program that includes multiple new provisions spelled out uh, in this order from the FTC. And they've got to get privacy and security assessments by an independent third party approved by the FTC and report all their incidents regarding privacy and security to the FTC within 30 days. So the Federal Trade Commission was not having this. Hey, J.D., can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you remember when
1: actually being on the internet was fun?
0: Way, way, way back when. Maybe the late 90s, early aughts before, yeah, before things. It's very stressful
1: now and sometimes. It's too stressful. You got to worry about people selling your information and hacking you and strange comic book supervillains
0: buying your favorite social media platform. It's just too much. The new hot thing is going to to be go off the grid and just not be on any social media whatsoever, and listen to cassette tapes and read paperback books, and I, I see this whole retro movement coming, and not just me. Yeah, bring back AOL. You got mail? Remember that little You've yellow got mail. mail? I want it. Yeah, he's still, still kind of sense. around, right? Does anybody use him? I still have an AOL account. I don't wow. use it, but it's still around. It's still valid. That's just nice. It's just sort of like you're back of the closet, bit of nostalgia there. Yeah. Should we go from reality to virtual reality? Of course. Insiders are hinting that Sony's PlayStation VR 2 headset system uh, could be headed for production later this year, which could put the official release of the unit sometime in uh, 2023. Of course, everyone's getting into the VR headsets. The production ramp-up and release schedule could also be impacted by the speed of game development uh, for this PlayStation VR 2. Sony's confirmed there will be more than 20 games available at launch, both from third-party companies and Sony itself. But they don't want to launch with like two games. Nobody wants to have that. They want to have a more variety. Also in VR headset news, a staffer for the Verge site reported spotting a trademark filing by Apple for something called Reality OS, which is thought to be the software powering Apple's own VR headset in development. So we could be heading to a whole lot of plastic goggles heading our way virtual reality wars is that what we're heading yes to like? you know everyone's well we've already got the oculus and the yeah there's a lot of things out there but speaking of apple uh, we're headed into the, may i
1: make may i make a quick statement here on on vr headsets on vr headsets i'm thinking and i know you're gonna feel this with me i'm thinking of getting zazzle
0: to make a t-shirt that says holodeck or nothing i would buy that there you go. All right. I'm I'm on it. Yeah. I'm on it. I don't want a thing on my head. I just want the virtual reality hmm. environment to That's appear for me and I'll put it in the Star Trek font. Oh, I got a
1: rock. Oh, I'm so on it. Trademark PTJ. You can't use it. People. You're going to steal of them. my
0: idea. People what? are going to line up for this shirt. But since the Mark Zuckerberg is all into the to the metaverse and Doing his Suck. VR. And who knows if this is going to actually take this time. Is this going to be like 3D TV where everyone gets all excited about it and then happens and be like, eh, maybe not. But as for Apple, though, it's June and we're headed into that Worldwide Developers Conference time of year. So WWDC or whatever it is. <laughs> I think I threw in too many W's in there. Yeah, so there's a lot of them. But for those wondering, we will perhaps have some news about what came out of that conference on our next episode. Uh, what we got this year the iPhone 14, iOS 16, whatever the next Mac OS. One thing they probably won't be talking about uh, during the keynote speech, though, is the antitrust lawsuit bought by Cydia, uh, the alternative app store favored by those with jailbroken iPhones. And you remember them they went, when jailbreaking leaves all the rage. and yeah, in California, the U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers rejected Apple's contention that City's allegations fell outside a four-year window allowed under federal antitrust law and said, no, no, City can go ahead uh, with their suit. Again, this is the antitrust-busting Apple and Google with the the tight hand around their app stores and these other competitors trying to get in here. So we'll see if this goes anywhere. And uh, we're not going to overlook the big G here in the new segment either. Uh, they held their I.O. conference in mid-May And announced several things, including a Pixel watch, the Pixel Buds Pro earphones with active noise cancellation, new models in its vast line of Pixel phones, and a Pixel tablet. Android tablets are coming back here. The company also showed off a pair of augmented reality glasses that use Google Translate in real time, although this seemed to be more of a proof-of-concept, maybe we call it vaporware kind of thing, other than a full-on sequel to the Google Glass of your. Would you use augmented reality glasses that listened to your conversations and translated your language into whatever you were talking to as somebody who spoke a different language? Oh, JD, I think
1: you know the answer to
0: that. (laughs) But there's a little video, I'll have a link to our show page where people want to see how this might possibly work. Google has been very busy, though. They also launched the Google TV app in Apple's iOS App Store. This means those with iPhones and other iOS devices can use their hardware as remotes for their Google TV service, as well as get recommendations and all the things that video apps do these days. I believe Android users have had a similar app uh, like this for the past two years, so they're finally getting the, the iOS version available now. And uh, because you can apparently have too many video call apps, and Google does like to get rid of old programs, Google has announced it's combining its Google Duo app with Google Meet. Both those products are going to become one product now. Now, in case you don't remember which did what either, uh, Duo was the one that sort of focused more on the one-to-one video messaging and Google Meet, which was sometimes called Google Hangouts or Google Hangouts Meet. That had become popular for your larger video gatherings and corporate meetings as a Zoom competitor in the enterprise space. Now, uh, the new app, I guess, is just going to be called Google Meet, uh, but they claim that they're going to keep some of the features that Duo had in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had actually forgotten about Duo, and then they have one called Allo, and it's Google, you know, they're going to do something That's for two Google. years and then ditch it. Uh, yeah, please, the pain is still fresh, okay? Yeah, they flat-leave you at times. That one was for all
1: the old heads who listen to the yes, show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they, they'll get it. They get the reference. Yeah.
0: Amazon's stopping sales of its Kindle e-readers in uh, the country of China. I guess uh, Amazon plans to shut down the Chinese version of its Kindle bookstore there as well, so no e-readers, no Kindle bookstore. The company said that the departure of its Kindle products was not due to government pressure or censorship, but an adjustment to its global business offerings whatever that means. But Amazon uh, was also keeping busy here too in an attempt to thwart bots and other automated software that buy up high-demand items like game consoles so that they get the bots to buy them and then people resell them for those gougy, gougy prices. The Uber Mega Everything store is rolling out an invitation option on the pages of its super hot products. I think that the PlayStation and the current Xbox, whatever those next iterations are, will get this thing. So you'll see an invite where you can request an invitation. So you click that And then Amazon screens the invitation requests and grants those with accepted invitations the chance to order the desired product. So this is supposed to be a a thing that can screen out the bots. And you don't have to be a Prime member to get it. I guess anyone with an Amazon account can use it. So uh, this is one way that they're trying to give people a fighting chance to get that hot new console. That's why I haven't bought a new Xbox. Because of the bots? Every time I try, it's up for 10 seconds.
1: And then every other thing is some ridiculously overpriced uh, gouger. So I, didn't even, I stopped trying. It's like, yeah, please. I want to spend my money, but they won't let me, so forget about it.
0: Maybe if you get this invitation thing, and I believe exactly. it's on the products built by Amazon. So this is an attempt, and I don't know if it's a, a beta of this or if it's actually been rolled out, but it's something they're going to try. So we'll see how it works. Now, uh, we mentioned uh, Metaface back there uh, a little bit. Chief Operating Officer Cheryl Sandberg has announced that she's leaving the company. The departure of Sandberg, who'd been with them for 14 years and several congressional hearings, wasn't a surprise to most industry watchers. I guess she's off to do the next chapter of her life. I think she wanted to do some more of her philanthropy. She's leaving at a time as Facebook contemplates new regulations, perhaps from the EU, a loss of revenue from Apple's anti-tracking software. It's built into iOS. The whole hard lurch into virtual reality that we talked about in a minute ago, which Zuckerberg seems to be way into, maybe perhaps more than she was. And and we've also got elections and other divisive events on the horizon with all the misinformation and hate there. So I guess maybe she decided it was just time to hit the eject button. Trying to salvage her legacy. I guess she leaned in and now she's tapped out. So off she goes. And finally, circle back to Obi-Wan, lightsaber-loving fans of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+, Plus, as we mentioned at the top of the show. If you are enamored of the double-bladed weapon used by third sister Reva, who I'm a big fan of, who was played by Moses Ingram, uh, there's a replica in the works from Hasbro's Haslabs unit. The model is called the Black Series Reva Force FX Elite Lightsaber, and it costs about $500. Measures a total of 6.5 feet long with both blades attached, uh, and it's available for pre-order until July 11th. But it won't actually ship until 2023. So if you like the cool lightsaber design, because she does have a very striking weapon, if you, even if you've just seen the trailer. And I know the double-bladed thing got hot with you know, Darth Maul back in the Phantom Menace days in 99, but this is a much more sleekly designed version of that concept. But if you simply have to have it, all the other lightsabers on the site, because they do a lot of replicas of, of the different models, so you're around $300. But when you think, two blades? It's going to be more expensive, so $500 bucks will get you this. We will have a link to the ordering page should you be tempted by it. Are you allowed to bring home lightsabers?
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Not allowed. Let's just say there was a phase where there were a lot of lightsaber battles in the house and that never ended well. So
0: Yeah, I, I can see how the furniture and lamps over lightsaber battles might take precedence there in-, in the home. It is super cool looking, though. But for anyone out there who wants to either order one or wants to know more about all the stories that we talked about in the new segment here, you can find a page of links at... Opticjam.com. Up next, you're gonna talk us some digital audio here, aren't you? I am
1: JD, like we talked about at the top of the show, a lot of people ask me, a world-renowned Podcaster
0: and producer, world-renowned JD. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you. I've heard it. I've I've read about it in academic (laughs) journals. (laughs) (laughs) They keep asking me about. Hey, I want
1: to do a podcast. What do I need? Okay, I'm happy to share. I love talking about what I do. I love talking about all the things involved in doing what I do. We've talked about microphones before. We've talked about headphones. We've talked about all sorts of stuff. But I don't think I've ever mentioned digital audio interfaces or audio interfaces before. And essentially, that's exactly what it sounds like. It is an interface that goes between your computer and your microphone and headphones that will allow you to record your voice or your instrument into your preferred recording software. That's all it does, basically, in a nutshell, period, end of story. But of course, like anything else, like any type of gear, there are levels of how good some of these are. You can get a very cheap one that doesn't necessarily sound so great, or you can get a super duper expensive one that sounds fantastic, but you have to take out a second mortgage on your home for home use where you're using it for a podcast, or maybe you want to, you're a singer songwriter and you're, or you're a bedroom producer and you just want to record something at home. You're talking anywhere from $100 to $250 in that price range for something decent. Anything above that, you're getting into real studio-grade equipment. So you need to decide what your price range is, first of all. Now, for my use, I don't need 10, 12 microphone inputs because I'm not recording. I'm essentially recording myself, maybe another person, two or three people at the most. And on top of that, most of the recording I do is on a platform like what we're using now. We're using Squadcast right now. So I'm not even using recording software. I'm using my browser to record, and your voice is being recorded and then sent to me. So I basically just need something with one input and a headphone connection. I went out and I grabbed the Focusrite Scarlet Solo and the Focusrite Scarlet 2i2. Now, the Solo is basically what it sounds like it's one input. One microphone input or an instrument, like I can plug my, a guitar in if I wanted to, or a bass in my case, or a synthesizer if you don't want to use MIDI. And I have my headphones, and I have my phantom power, and I've got knobs for volume and all that stuff. It's about five and a half inches wide. It's compact, but the problem is it's still not small enough for a go-back. If I want to take my laptop and I want to work and edit, because I need this to edit as well, because it's my sound card at that point because it replaces all the internal sound cards and all that stuff. I want something even smaller. And what I use for my go bag, like I call it, or my laptop bag is a road AI one, which is about the size of an Apple TV. Now the mic amp is pretty good. The preamp is pretty good on it, but it's not as good as what comes on the Scarlet solo and the two I two price wise. The Rode AI-1 is $129, which is pretty reasonable. But the Focusrite Scarlett Solo and the 2i2 come with better preamps. And it's actually cheaper. It's $119 for the Scarlett Solo. It may sound like I'm leaning towards the Scarlett Solo or the Scarlett 2i2. And the the 2i2 essentially is instead of having one input and one output, it has two. So you've got two microphone inputs, hence the name, exactly. And you've got a headphone output and you've got speaker outputs. And speaking of speakers, you can connect speakers to both the AI-1 and the Scarlett Solo, but powering the speakers, the Scarlets do a much better job than the AI-1. Again, it sounds like I'm trashing the road, but you know what? The road, the AI-1, has become my go-to for working on my laptop. So if I'm not at home at my editing desks, And I have my laptop and I need some I need I want something small. I want something sturdy. I want something that I know I can toss around, put it in my laptop bag, work with it anywhere. I just plug it right in. It's powered by the USB. And I know that I don't have to worry about it getting broken or damaged or scuffed up or whatever. I don't have that luxury with the Scarlet Solo or the 2I2. The 2I2 runs for about $179. Pretty decent quality for that price range, but it's got this shiny red, glossy finish. It'll get scratched up. The knobs, I know they're going to snap off. The Scarlet series, I would recommend for someone who wants to set up at home and just leave it where it is. If you need something that's a bit more of a road warrior, I would go with the AA1. And now, most people who are into this stuff, they're going to ask about sampling rates. The sampling rate on the Solo and the 2i2 is about 192,000, 192K. Now, that's nice, but you're asking, what does it mean? Okay, most high-end audio that you're going to listen to, like CD quality or even a video, is going to be 44K, the sampling rate, to 48K. I'm going on about this geeky stuff to say, it doesn't really matter what your sampling rate is, as long as you get anything that's 48 To 96. 96 is what the Rode AI one will allow you to do. You're going to have plenty of sampling rate room if you want to remix and you have to change speeds and stuff like that. Yeah, you might hear a little more brightness when you're down mixing from something in 192 to 48, but most people won't know the difference. Plus, the 192K sampling rate of the Scarlet Solo and the 2I2 will let you enjoy the high res music. You've seen those tags like high-res music on Apple Music and Amazon and CoBuzz and sites like that. But for home use for podcasting, you don't really need to care about it. 96K is more than sufficient. Most of the time, you're going to use 44.1 or 48 to record. So my point is, overall, the Focusrite Scarlett Solo and the 2i2 are much better audio interfaces But their best use case is for sitting at home and not moving. If you want something that's a road warrior and that has multi-purpose buttons and lets you do everything that the Scarlet's can do, but will survive being bounced around in your laptop bag, I would go with the AI-1. I use it every day. It served me well. That's just a little more of my podcast wisdom from this world-renowned podcaster.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, from the gear archives of Elkizer. Yes, yes. All right, we'll have some links uh, to these here then on the show page. Any other final thoughts?
1: No, no final thoughts, except that maybe we should thank the bros. Oh, yes, thank you, bros. If you think it, they will build it. Builtbybros.com.
0: And thank you, listeners. We hope everyone is doing well. We have uh, shot past Memorial Day once again, so a change of season no matter what hemisphere you're in. But we hope everyone is having a fine time and staying safe and watching as much uh, streaming programming as they can.
1: I like that streaming programming.
0: Until next time when we're back with more, probably whatever Apple announced and whatever other cool things we're getting released in early summer. I'm J.D. Bierstorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosal.